الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد وإن الشرح of the kitab we are in the explanation of the book منهج الحق written by العلامة عبد الرحمن بن ناصر السعدي رحمه الله we took the first 20 lines and inshallah ta'ala today we're going to carry on from the 21st line bi'idhnillah bi'idhnillah the author rahimahu allah here he says fahubbu jami'il ali loving his family the word al-al it means al-ahlu family of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam min aqidati ahli sunnati wal jama'ah the belief of the uh, the saved sect, the belief of Ahlul Sunnah is that they love all of the Prophet's family, alayhi salatu wasalam. And these companions, was-sahbi, and the companions, indana, according to us, to our belief, our creed, is that we love the companions, and we love the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam's family. There are a group, who have fallen short in this matter. What they've believed, what they believe is that there's a conflict between loving the companions and loving the Prophet's family. We say there isn't. You love, we love them both. We love the Prophet's family, alayhi salatu and we love the companions. Ridwanullahi alayhim ajma'in. He says, ali, loving the Prophet's entire family, sahbi and all of his companions, indana according to us. Ma'ashira ahli al-haqi Us, the people of truth Fardun mu'akkadu Is an emphasized obligation And loving the Prophet's family Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And also loving his family and his companions Is for us, the people of truth Is fardun mu'akkadu It's an emphasized obligation It's not a matter we take very lightly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said in the Qur'an, وَالَّذِينَ جَاءُوا مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا اغْفِرْ لَنَا وَلِإِخْوَانِنَا الَّذِينَ سَبَقُونَا بِالْإِيمَانِ وَلَا تَجْعَلْ فِي قُلُوبِنَا غِلًّا لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا رَبَّنَا إِنَّكَ رَأُفُ الرَّحِيمِ The people who came after the companions and after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi family, what do they say? They say, رَبَّنَا لَا تَجْعَلْ فِي قُلُوبِنَا غِلًّا Oh Allah, do not place in our hearts enmity towards the companions and towards your family and towards all the believers that came before us. That's what the believers, they say. They have no enmity for their beloved brothers who preceded them in time and in virtue. And then they say, And do not make, O oh our Lord, O oh Allah, do not place in our hearts hate and grudge and enmity towards our brothers in faith, in truth. Do not place hate in our hearts towards them. Innaka verily you, O oh Allah, are Raufur Rahim. You are one who is kind and gentle and merciful to his creation. Now the author, Rahimahullah, he moves on to another matter. In the previous line, the 21st line, 
the author was talking about the wajib tijah al-sahaba. What is obligatory regarding the companions? I mean, how do we deal with the companions? He already told you. The matter of the companions and the Prophet's family is love. We love them. We appreciate them. We respect them. We do taraddi. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be pleased with them. Now the author, rahimahullah, he goes on to another matter, which is the belief and the aqeedah of Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah, which is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's speech. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's speech. What's the correct view regarding the speech of Allah? The previous line, the 21st line, there were groups that deviated from the straight path. The author, rahimahullah, debunked them. He responded to them. And he showed that this is not what we believe. Ahlul Sunnah do not believe anything regarding the Prophet's companions and his family. In this line, he's, he's going to refute another group or other groups who have also deviated from the straight path when it comes to the uh, characteristics of Allah's speech. These people, they don't believe that the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is... Um, is not created. And the author is going to come to that soon, inshallah ta'ala, and he's going to refute them. But here, he speaks about a very important point that you must know and understand, which is, the aqeed of Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah, and the aqeed and the belief of the people of truth is, that Allah's speech, the wording and the meaning, are both his speech. And we believe when we say Allah's speech, Allah's speech, it comprises of, it composes of two things. Wordings and meaning. We attribute the wordings and the meaning to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's very important. We say these wordings, verbatim, are the words of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we also, the meaning is, this is the meaning of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why the author says, وَمِنْ قَوْلِ أَهْلِ الْحَقِّ And amongst the belief, of the people of truth is it's what anna kalamahu that his speech allah subhanahu wa ta'ala huwa lafdhu wal ma'na is wording and meaning jami'an mujawwadu and both of them together are perfect yani the wording of allah are perfect and the meaning are also perfect that's the aqeed of ahli sunnah wal jama'a we believe that walidhalika shaykh al islam ibn taymiyah he says in his Majmu' al-Fatawa, Ibn Taymiyyah says, As-sawabu alladhi alayhi salafu al-umma. The correct view, which Ahlul Sunnah wal-Jama'ah hold on to and believe, Kal-Imam Ahmed, like Al-Imam Ahmed, wal-Bukhari, and Al-Imam al-Bukhari, sahib al-Sahih, the great Imam who authored the Sahih book. Fi kitab khalq af'al al-ibad. Bukhari has another kitab called khalq af'al al-ibad. In there, he states his belief in there. Al-Imam al-Bukhari, in his kitab, two volumes, Sheikh Fahd al-Fuhayd has done tahqiq of it. It's a two-volume book. Bukhari in that kitab, Khalqu Af'al al-Ibad, he states his belief in there. And Al-Imam Ahmad, he states his belief in his book, Usul al-Sunnah. Usul al-Sunnah. Al-Imam Ahmad. So Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah is saying, this is the view of Ahlul Sunnah, which is that we affirm the wordings for Allah. We say these are Allah's wordings. 
We also say these are Allah's meanings. This is what the Salaf, the pious predecessors, the Sahabas, the Tabi'een, and the Tabi'u Tabi'een believed. And then the author says, like, like Ahmad ibn Hanbal, and like Al-Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, who states it in his kitab, Khalqu Af'al al-Ibad. And other than those two Imams, yani other than Bukhari and Ahmad, states that the wording and the meaning are both attributed to Allah. They are both the wordings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why is he saying this? And what's the, why is Ibn uh, Sa'di mentioning it here? And why is Ibn Taymiyyah also sp- speaking about this issue? The deviated group, Al-Asha'ira, they came and they said, the meaning is from Allah. As for the wording, it's not from Allah. And they said a concept known as Kalam Nafsi. That the speech is inside Allah, it doesn't come out. But the meaning is what we have. Okay? Because they said we can't affirm for Allah wordings. Because if we affirm for Allah wordings, then we would have to affirm for Him a mouth and then teeth and a tongue. We don't want to take that path, they said. Which is, which is wrong and it's deviation for them to even think that in the first place. Because... When we affirm wordings for Allah, we do it in a way that befits His majesty. Who said that you must say that it's going to be this and it's going to be that? Why are you comparing Allah to the creation? Allah's speech, it happens in a way that befits His majesty. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Are we all together? So we have to affirm the wording and the meaning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what Ibn Taymiyyah mentions. وَسَائِرَ أَيْمَةِ قَبْلَهُمْ وَبَعَدَهُمْ أَتْبَعُ النُّصُوصِ this is what they mention. Then the author, rahimahullah, he says, Mujawadu. He uses the word Mujawadu. What does it mean by the word Mujawadu? It means perfected. The Quran that we have today is Mujawad. It is Muhkam Mutqan. It's perfect. Okay? The wordings are perfect and the meaning are perfect. There's no deficiency in it. That the Quran, there's no falsehood that can come to it from any directions. It has come from Allah Azza wa Jalla. How can there be deficiency in it? Mm-hmm. The author, rahimahullah, he says, The speech of Allah is not created. The speech of Allah is uncreated. For how can that even be possible that Allah's speech is created, subhanahu wa ta'ala? How is it possible that his um, that his speech could be created? Also, the author then says, وَلَيْسَ بِمَخْلُوقٍ The speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uncreated. For how possibly could his creation have speech like the speech of Allah? How is it possible that we say Allah's speech is created, and then the creation's speech is created, and then they have the same speech? And he the speech of Allah has to have over the creation speech something very high. However eloquent the creation are, however 
they are able to articulate their points. They are never able to come with a speech like the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Allah challenged the creation to come with the speech, a speech like the speech of Allah. That's why Allah says, That if you are in doubt with what Muhammad has come with, then come with something like it, something equal to it. Uh, come with something, something like it. They be challenged. Allah challenged them, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah also says, That if the jinn and the ins all come together to come with the likes of this Qur'an and they aid and support one another, they will never be able to come with the likes of this Qur'an. Allah says in another ayah, Do they say that Muhammad made this up? That he forged it? Is that what they're saying? And then Allah says, and then come with 10 chapters like it, if you can. Okay? And call on to whoever you wish, if you are truthful in what you are saying. So the author, rahimahullah, here he's saying, his speech, Allah, is uncreated. So how can it be possible that his creation have speech like the speech of Allah? While the latter is full, it's, it's the latter, meaning the creation speech, has many flaws in it. Or the creation's one is, has many flaws in it, and the, creator's, the creator one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's speech, has no flaws or no mistakes in it. So he says, وَلَيْسَ بِمَخْلُوقٍ Allah's speech is not created. وَأَنَّا لِخَلْقِي How is it possible that his creation... They can come with بِقَوْلٍ a speech كَقَوْلِ اللَّهِ Like the speech of Allah إِذْ هُوَ أَمْجَدُ When really the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is أَمْجَدُ um, It is superior and it is better. That's where he got it from the ayah بَلْ هُوَ قُرْآنٌ مَجِيدٌ That the Qur'an is majid فِي لَوْحٍ مَحْفُوظٍ That the Qur'an is majid. Majid means السِعَى uh, When something is vast superior and higher Naam. the author says when ashhadu we bear witness what is it that we bear witness and what is it we testify to and al khaira the good and evil in their entirety when ashhadu anna al khaira was sharra kullahu that the good and the evil in their entirety bi taqdirihi are by his decree wal abdu yas'a wa yajhadu and the creation the servant strives and he exerts the effort. The author says, وَنَشْهَدُ We bear witness, we testify. The word نَشْهَدُ It means we believe and we testify. أَنَّ الْخَيْرَ That the good. وَالشَّرَّ And the evil. كُلَّهُ بِتَقْدِيرِ All of them are based on the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So from the aqeedah of Ahl sunnati wal jama'ah is that the good and the evil are both from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is taken from where? It is taken from the Qur'an, and it's also taken from the Sunnah. It's taken from the Qur'an, and it's also taken from the Sunnah. The Qur'an is the statement of Allah, That every single thing, we created it at a decreed time. Okay? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, إِنَّا 
kulla shay'in everything the good and the bad we created allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says biqadar at a decreed time the hadith of jibril the long famous hadith of jibril when the prophet was asked about iman qala fa akhbirni 'anil iman qala an tu'mina billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rusulihi wal yawmil akhir wa tu'mina bil qadari khayrihi wa sharrihi that he was asked about the uh, he was asked about the iman the uh, pillars of al-iman and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he answered by saying that the articles of faith the pillars of al-iman are to believe in allah to believe in the angels to believe in the book to believe in the messengers to believe in the day of judgment and to believe in the the qadar that which has been decreed for you the good and the evil yani from the aqeed of ahli sunnah is what al khayra wa sharra kullahu bi taqdeerihi that the good and the evil all of them are based on the decree of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we believe in that wal abdu yas'a wa yajhadu and from the things that ahli sunnah wal jama'ah believe is that the servant still strives and he exerts exerts efforts and the slave he can't say everything is going to happen to me i am like a leaf on a windy day you know when it's windy and there's a leaf that falls off a tree the wind blows that leaf right left center and the leaf doesn't have any control of what direction it goes a believer doesn't say that regarding the qadar like the qadariya said a deviated group they said that the slave is like a leaf on a windy day that he goes right and left there's no control over anything ahlu sunnati wal jamaa believe no that the good and the evil are from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but the slave he has to exert the efforts he has to work walidhalika write this down and this is very important that you write this down which is the author combined between two foundations that ahlu sunnati wal jamaa stand on when it comes to the issue of al qadar two fundamental points the first one is when it comes to babul qadar the chapter of qadar these two things you have to believe in both of them you have to affirm it and that is al iman to believe that all matters are all based on that which Allah decreed whether it be good or whether it be evil that's one that's the first foundation and the second one is exerting the effort that the slave has to exert effort and put in hard work those two is important you come with the means and the results are in the hands of allah ahlu sunnah believe that you come with the means and the results are in allah's hands and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he combined between those two in a hadith the prophet said i'malu work hard that's the first pillar which is badlul asbab to exert the effort the prophet said i'malu work o slave o servant work strive exert effort i'malu work 
And then the second pillar is And that's the second pillar Which is what? Every single thing will happen Based on what Allah decrees Subhanahu wa ta'ala The results are in Allah's hands Subhanahu wa ta'ala Also another hadith combines between the two Which is Exert the effort Put the work in Strive That's the first pillar وَاسْتَعِمْ بِاللَّهِ And then rely on Allah. Yani the results are in his hands. He's the one that's going to make it happen. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those two pillars are combined in those two hadiths. The first hadith was narrated by Bukhari and Muslim. And the second hadith was only narrated by Al-Imam Muslim. Rahimahullah. So the author, Rahimahullah, he's mentioning what he took from that hadith. Rahimahullah ta'ala. Naam. The author, Rahimahullah, he goes into, in the 25th line, Haddul Iman. What is the definition of Iman? What is it? He says, Our Iman, Imanuna, our Iman, is Qawlun wa Fi'lun wa Niyyatun. It is speech. Okay? It is action. And it's also intention. These are the three things that the Iman stands on. It is speech. And it's action. And it's also intention. You have to understand, one cannot dismiss the other. Speech is needed, action is needed, and intentions are needed. Min al khairi, all good. Wa ta'ati, and all acts of worship and obedience. Fiha nuqayyidu. We restrict it. We stipulate, we stipulate, the Sheikh is saying, the intention for it. Yani every speech and every action, what is stipulated to it is a correct intention. And there's no benefit you saying something, but there's no intention for it. You don't get rewarded for it. And any action that you do, there must be an intention for it. Where did the author take this from? Did he just make this up? No. This is what the unanimous agreement of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that the Iman is Qawl and Amal and Niyyah. And Imam al rahimahullah, he said, La yastaqeemu al-Imanu illa bil-Qawl. There is no Iman that stands without speech. La yastaqeemu al-Imanu and there's no Iman that stands wa la yastaqeemu al-Imanu wal-Qawl. A person's Iman does not stand and their speech does not stand. Unless there is actions with it. So there's no one whose iman stands unless he comes with an action. And there is no one whose iman stands with speech unless there is actions also with it. And there is nobody, he says, Ozai, whose iman stands with speech and action unless there is intention with it. And he mentioned all three. Good. And then Al-Imam Al-Awza'i went on to saying, Rahimahullah. وَكَانَ مَنْ مَضَى مِنْ سَلَفِنَا Imam Al-Awza'i was the Imam of the people of Sham. And he's from the A'immatul Islam. The Imams of Al-Islam. He's from the early Imams of Islam. Salafus Salih. Awza'i is saying, وَكَانَ مِنْ مَضَى مِنْ سَلَفِنَا Our pious predecessors. He's saying. And he's referring to the Tabi'een and the Tabi'u Tabi'een. No, he's referring to the Tabi'een and the Sahabas. He said, وَكَانَ مَنْ مَضَى مِنْ سَلَفِنَا The our pious predecessors. لا يفرقون بين الإيمان والعمل والعمل من الإيمان. 
The Salaf never distinguished between speech and action. They never ever said that Iman is only speech or the Iman is only actions. No, they believed they were both the same. Well, Iman min al amal, and the, ima, the actions are part of the Iman. And the reason why he's saying this is because this concept came about, a deviated group known as the Murji'ah came about where they said, the person, if he says La ilaha illallah on his tongue, that's enough. His Iman is complete. What is the problem? And we tend to find that today in these, the, uh, the mists of Muslims today. Well, al-asaf is shadid. It's a sad reality. But we tend to find this amongst many Muslims. Is the concept of them saying, have you seen what is in my heart? Like the Iman is only restricted to what is in the heart. These people have only understood that the Iman is what is in the heart. And that's wrong. Iman is speech. And it's action. And it's also what's in the heart. Okay? And so this is a belief of the murji'ah to believe that um, you don't know what was in this person's heart. And he dismissing the heart from the action of the person. Or dismissing the, from the person's speech, uh, their heart. Al-Sunnah believe all of them are intermingled. All of them are connected. If your actions are weak, it's an indication that your heart is also weak. You see... Every vessel sweats what's inside it. The reason why you're smoking, and the reason why you're not wearing your hijab, oh sister, and the reason why you're shaving your beard, Muslim brother, or the reason why you are missing the Juma and the Jama'at, the reason why you're lying and you're cheating, and the reason why you're doing all of this, brothers and sisters, is because the lack or, or the weakness of Iman in the heart. So do not think to yourself a split second that uh, my heart is good, but not necessarily my actions. No, that's wrong. And that's what Imam Al-Awza'i is refuting here. And also Imam Sa'di, rahimahullah. And Iman is qawl, and it's actions, and it's also intentions. It's all of them. Sufyan al-Thawriyu also said the same. He said, كَانَ الْفُقَهَاءُ يَقُولُونَ The jurists, they used to say, لَا يَسْتَقِيمُ قَوْلٌ إِلَّا بِعَمَلٍ That the person's speech will not be steadfast. يعني, there's, no, there's no speech if there's no actions with it. And a person's speech and their action, it doesn't exist if there's no intention with it. And the speech and the action, the speech and the action and the intention all have to be in agreement, in agreement uh, or in line with the sunnah of the Prophet. Also, Imam Al Ajuriyu said the same. And the Imam Shafi'i transmitted an ijma' in this matter. Naam. So the author then says, Rahimahullah, after that, he says, All of the good that a person does, and all acts of obedience, the intention are a condition for it, for it to be accepted. And the author took that from where? He took it from the ayah, which is, وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ That we did not command them, Allah says subhanahu wa ta'ala, except to worship us with sincerity. Okay? Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in another ayah, وَمَنْ أَرَادَ الْآخِرَةِ Anyone who wants the hereafter, and his intention is the hereafter, he wants Jannah يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ وَسَعَى لَهَا سَعْيَهَا And then he exerts the effort. So his actions... Before he done it, he came with an intention. 
He wants Yawmul Qiyamah. He wants Jannah. He wants Allah to be pleased with him. That's why he's doing it. He's not doing it for a worldly reason. Okay? وَمَنْ أَرَادَ الْآخِرَةِ He wants the Day of Judgment. And then look what he does. وَسَعَ لَهَا سَعْيَهَا And then he exerts the effort. وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ Whilst in a state of Iman. فَأُولَٰئِكَ كَانَ سَعْيُهُمْ مَشْكُورًا Those people, their effort and their hard work is praiseworthy. And it's something very good what they did. Okay? So you have to come. It's a must that you come with an intention prior to the action that you want to do. Okay? You have to precede it. A prerequisite is an intention and then you come with the actions and then the action will be accepted from you inshallah ta'ala. The author rahimahullah now speaks about the iman increasing and decreasing. Ahl-Sunnati wal-Jama'ah they believe that the iman it increases and it decreases. Ah. He says, وَيَزْدَادُ بِالطَّاعَاتِ مَعْ تَرْكِ مَا It increases. The iman increases. With acts of obedience. مَعْ تَرْكِ مَا And it also increases if the person refrains from what? From what is forbidden from them. If you refrain from what is forbidden from you, your iman will increase. And if you do the acts of worship that you were told to do, and you come with the wajibat, and you come with the sunan, and you do as you were told, your iman increases. So the author mentioned two things that increase your iman. There are two things that increase your iman. What is the first thing? The first thing that increases your iman is acts of obedience. Doing acts of obedience makes your iman increase. Also what makes your iman increase is tarki manaha. To refrain from that which is forbidden from you. That's understood now. And he also mentioned the opposite. Uh, which is what is the thing that makes the iman decrease. What makes a person's iman decrease? The author rahimahullah mentioned that which makes the iman decrease is um, sins. Sins are what makes a person's iman decrease. Jazman wa yafsudu. Definitely. A person's um, sins that they do or their disobedience, with certainty, it will corrupt. It will corrupt your iman. That's why the Prophet ﷺ, he told us that the iman has branches. Iman has branches. The Prophet said, Al-Iman bid'un. That the iman is bid'un wa sab'un shu'ba. A'laha qawlu la ilaha illallah. Wa adnaha imatatu al-adha anil tariq. Wa al-hayaa shu'batun min shu'ab al-iman. Or kama qala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet said that the iman is 70 odd branches. A'laha qawlu la ilaha illallah. Some of the riwayat says afdaluha qawlu la ilaha illallah. The highest of the branches, the, the best of those branches is la ilaha illallah. Brothers and sisters, La ilaha illallah is the highest branch. That's why it's a must that you study La ilaha illallah. There are five things that you must know about La ilaha illallah. Every Muslim must know about it. Write this down if you didn't know it before. The first thing is the definition of La ilaha illallah. What does La ilaha illallah actually mean? That's the first thing you must know about it. The second thing is what is the pillars of La ilaha illallah? The pillars. That La ilaha illallah stands on. What is it? 
The third one is the shurut, shurut, the prerequisites that are needed from you to know or for you to come with if you want to come with La ilaha illallah. The fourth is the virtues of La ilaha illallah. What are the virtues of La ilaha illallah that have come in the hadiths and in the Quran? And in the, what are they? And the fifth one is the nullifiers that nullify La ilaha illallah. The nullifiers that nullify La ilaha illallah. Those five, ayyuhal muslim, or you Muslim who's listening and watching this, make sure that you study those five. The definition of La ilaha illallah. Learn it. What does La ilaha illallah mean? I'm a Muslim. I want to know what La ilaha illallah means. How is it that you don't understand it? How is it that you don't know it? Fa'alam annahu la ilaha illallah. Know what la ilaha illallah means. The ayah says. So you have to know what la ilaha illallah means. The second thing is that you have to know the pillars that la ilaha illallah stands on. And they are two pillars. Negation and affirmation. Nafiun wa ithbat. And the third thing is the conditions and the prerequisite, the shurut of la ilaha illallah. And they are al-ilm wal-yaqeen wal-qabulu wal-inqiyadu fadri ma aqulu wa-sidq wal-ikhlasu wal-mahabba wal-mahabba wa-faqakallahu lima ahabba Seven pillars it stands on. Those seven pillars you have to study them. Each one you study them. What does al-ilm mean? Al-ilm wal-yaqeen wal-qabulu wal-inqiyadu fadri ma aqulu wa-sidq wal-ikhlasu wal-mahabba wa-faqakallahu lima ahabba What does each one mean? You study it. You also need to Learn the virtues that have come regarding La ilaha illallah Since that's the highest branch What are the virtues? And last but not least The things that nullify La ilaha illallah And Al-Allama Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab He wrote a kitab called Nawaqidul Islam Nawaqidul Iman The nullifiers of Al-Iman And he meant, what did he mean by that? He meant the nullifiers of La ilaha illallah And he mentioned 10 things That nullify La ilaha illallah you study that. Because those ten were taken from the scholars before him. Ah, Muhammad Abdullah didn't come with these ten. He took it from the great scholars before him. Like Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he took it from his kitab, Asari al Muslul, ala Shatib al Rasul. He took it also from the Shifa by Qadi Iyad al Yahsubi. And he took it from other scholars before him. These are ten that Ummah have unanimously agreed that they will take you out of the fold of Al Islam. And they are directly opposing La ilaha illallah and what it means. So those are the ten. You go back to that book and you study it. When you've done those five, you are now, alhamdulillah, a person who knows what la ilaha illallah means and understands la ilaha illallah and studied what, what la ilaha illallah is. So pay attention to that. Al-Imanu bid'un wa sab'una shu'bah A'laha qawlu la ilaha illallah wa adnaha imatatu al-adha anil tariq wal hayau shu'batun min al-Iman So the Iman has branches, brothers and sisters. Those branches... If you, te- if you come with all of it, your iman becomes complete. And if some of it are missing from you, then part of the iman is missing from you. Okay? Also, coming with sins, they take away from your iman. The Prophet said, لا يزني الزاني حين يزني وهو مؤمن. That a person does not commit zina whilst in a state of iman, except that it reduces that person's iman. Okay? ولا يسرق السارق حين يسرق وهو مؤمن. And a person does not steal when he's stealing, except that it reduces his iman. So acts of disobedience makes your iman decrease. And acts of obedience makes your iman increase. And that's what the author, rahimahullah, 
is mentioning here. Walidalika, I encourage you all to read two books that will benefit you a lot regarding the issue of Al-Iman and what causes your Iman to increase and decrease. One of it is a book written by the author himself. He himself written a book and he called it At-Tawdihu Wal-Bayad Li Shajarati Al-Iman At-Tawdihu Wal-Bayad Li Shajarati Al-Iman Sa'di wrote it where he talks about the branches of Al-Iman. He talks about this hadith and he shows the concept of Al-Iman, and it's very beneficial for a student of knowledge to read it. Okay? And the second book I encourage you to read, if you want to know what increases the Iman or reduces the Iman, is the kitab written by Abdul Razak ibn Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad called Asbabu Ziyadat al-Iman wa Nuqsani. The things that cause the Iman to increase or decrease. Mm-hmm. The author, Rahimahullah, in this line, he speaks about asal min usul al-iman, a very powerful foundation from the foundations of al-iman, and a pillar from its pillars, and that is the belief of the day of judgment. He talks about believing in the day of the day of judgment. Al-Sunnati wal-Jama'ah, they believe and they affirm that which will take place of the day of judgment. Al-Sunnati wal-Jama'ah believe in that. They affirm that which will also take place of resurrection. Ahl-Sunnati wal-Jama'ah believe in it. They also believe and they affirm all contained, all that which is contained in the final abode. Ahl-Sunnati wal-Jama'ah believe in it. And anything that's mentioned regarding the Day of Judgment that the Quran and the Sunnah have mentioned, Ahl-Sunnati wal-Jama'ah believe in it. Yani the Sirat, the Ard, the Day of Judgment, the Hawl, and everything related to that day, we believe in it. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about the believers. وَبِالْآخِرَةِهُمْ يُوقِنُونَ And they firmly believe in the Day of Judgment. So that's what the author, Allah, he mentions in this line. So we believe in the resurrection. We believe in Adabul Qabri, the punishment of the grave. We believe in the resurrection. We also believe in the gathering that's going to happen and the accountability that's going to happen. We also believe in the, um, the sirat. We also believe in the mizan, the scale that will be brought. We believe in jannah and nar. We also believe in all of the other detailed issues that have been told to us regarding the day of judgment, which is mentioned in the Quran and in the sunnah. That's what he means. We bear witness to those details that the Quran mentioned. Naam. The author says, Tafakkar. He says to you, ponder and contemplate. Over what? He says, contemplate the magnificent signs of the most majestic Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that which it contains. The kingdom of Allah. Yani what the kingdom of Allah contains, think over that as well. So the first thing he's telling you to contemplate and ponder over is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his majestic signs that he has sent to us subhanahu wa ta'ala and that he's given us. Contemplate over it. And all of the things that are in it, which is the second point. In all of those signs, the things that are inside it, ponder and contemplate. 
uh, sorry, in the kingdom of Allah, everything that's in those, that kingdom of Allah, contemplate and ponder over it. It may be possible that you become guided from that. By looking and contemplating, a lot of good comes from it, brothers and sisters. Many people do not understand that looking at the ayatullah al-azimah, looking at the powerful signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَمَخْلُوقَاتِهِ الْبَاهِرَةِ And looking at the, the magnificent things Allah created subhanahu wa ta'ala and He placed on this earth. Wallahi, by looking at it, it will really make you realize. Subhanallah. And sometimes I watch online discovery channel, the animals. I look at the, uh, the, uh, the landscape. The, the, the icy lands and you know the mountains, how the global warming is affecting particular parts of the world. But then when I see it, subhanAllah, the reporter, I forgot his name, but he's not even a Muslim. He's an no, he's not a Muslim, nor is he, does he even believe in God. He doesn't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's an atheist. And I tajab. How can you not? You're reporting all of these things, you're informing the people about these things. Yani, Wallahi, when you look at that, your iman increases, truly increases. It shows you that, Wallahi, Allah does not need you. Does not need you, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has all of this creation. We mentioned it yesterday. Everything they praise Allah and they glorify Him. Why does He need you? Okay? When you think over that, you see how big the mountain is and how small you are and how arrogant and how full of yourself you are. It humbles you and says, subhanAllah, I'm nothing. You see, think over all of that. It will bring guidance to you. وَلِذَلِكَ Ibn al-Qayyim said, write this statement down. It's a very powerful statement. Ibn al-Qayyim, he says in his kitab, Miftahu Dar al-Sa'ada, he says, وَأَحْسَنُ مَا أُنْفِقَتْ فِيهِ الْأَنْفَاسُ one of the greatest things a person can exert his effort in. And he spends his life in. Ibn al-Qayyim is saying this. The one, of the, one of the greatest things that a person can ex, ex, spend their time and their effort and their life in is what? At-tafakkur fi ayatillah. Contemplating over the signs of Allah. Wa'ajaiba sun'ihi. And the magnificent things Allah created and made. وَالْإِنْتِقَالِ مِنْهَا إِلَىٰ تَعَلُّقِ الْقَلْبِ وَالْهِمَّةِ بِهِ دُونَ شَيْءٍ مِنْ مَخْلُوقَاتِ And how the heart moves to straight away connecting its aspiration to its creator and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I truly say that is the truth, wallah. Mm-hmm. And that's why you find brothers, many brothers and sisters, they, they, this is missing from them. This is really missing from them. وَلِذَلِكَ Travelling looking at those creation of Allah, it will take you back. The author, rahimahullah, he says, Alam tara, do you not see? Alam tara hadha al-layla idja'a mudliman. The author says, rahimahullah, do you not see that the night, he wants to now make you see things, and the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, Alam tara, have you not seen? هَذَا اللَّيْلَ This night, or the night, إِذْ جَاءَ مُظْلِمًا It comes, the darkness approaches, and it comes. فَعَقَبَهُ جَيْشُ مِنَ الصُّبْحِ يَطْرُدُ And then what comes after it? Then the army of dawn follows it and drives it away. يعني it was night, 
And then guess what happens? The army of the dawn comes and it repels it and it pushes it away and the day, t- t- the day takes over. And it was dark and now it becomes day. Have you not seen how it works? Like how dark day. That's from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said in the Quran, وَهُوَ الَّذِي جَعَلَ اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَارَ خِلْفَةً لِمَنْ أَرَادَ لِمَنْ أَرَادَ أَنْ يَذَّكَّرَ أَوْ أَرَادَ شُكُورًا وَعِبَادُ الرَّحْمَنِ الَّذِينَ يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ هَوْنًا وَإِذَا خَاطَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, before he goes into the عِبَادُ الرَّحْمَنِ he mentions something very powerful. He says, Allah is the one who makes a layl, the night, nahara and the day. That they, they alternate between themselves. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made both of them alternate between themselves. For what? For it to be a sign. For who like Liman arada and yadhakar, the one who wants to remember or arada shukura, or the one who wants to express gratitude to his creator. This is his opportunity. Allahu Akbar. Yani the day and the night is a sign for you that your life is coming to an end, that you're gonna die, that you're not gonna be in this world forever. That's number one. It also is there to show you the quwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah He never makes a day miss a night. And sometimes the electricity goes. Human. But Allah, it's always, it's always it's day, night, day, night, day, night. Has it ever come to you in this world, country that you're in right now where there's no day? It's just night. No. Allah does that, subhanahu wa ta'ala. In another ayah, Allah says, يُكَوِّرُ اللَّيْلَ عَلَى النَّهَارِ وَيُكَوِّرُ النَّهَارَ عَلَى اللَّيْلِ وَسَخَّرَ الشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرِ Allah makes the day and the night, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he makes the night over the day, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he made easy the sun and the moon. All of them are working in their course. Allah set, set for them both the sun the moon, you do this, you do that. All of them, كل يجري, all of them are moving in the set course for them. كل يجري لأجل مسمى, for an appointed time. Day, this is how many hours you have. Night, this is how many hours you have. Allah does that. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of these are what? They are His signs. Allah says in another ayah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَآيَةٌ لَهُمْ It's a sign for them. Allah is saying subhanahu wa ta'ala. The night is a sign for you. But you don't realize that. You're like, oh, it's, it's night time and you don't even care. It's a sign. In Surah Yasin, he says that. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam. The author, rahimahullah, he says, ta'amal. He says, contemplate the vast. Expenses, um, expenses of the heavens. Look at how vast 
the heavens are. كَوَاكِبُهَا وَقَادَةٌ تَتَرَدَّدُوا They're illuminating, bright, shining stars, moving about. Look at it. And the author, rahimahullah, wants you to ponder over the universal signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at these stars that are in the sky and how beautiful they make the sky. Look at this heaven and how vast it is. There are no pillars holding it. Look at all of that. Allah made it, subhanahu wa ta'ala, the stars, a beautification for the sky. He beautifies it with the sky. He also made it, guidance for the people who don't have compasses, who know they don't know their directions. Allah made those stars a way for them to know what direction they are at and where they want to go to. Allah made it for them. And He also made the stars what? A uh, means to destroy the shayateen. Allah, He made it. He uses it to destroy the shayateen uh, with it. We'll stop there, inshallah ta'ala, and we'll carry on after the salah bi'idhnillahi al-kareem. Insha'Allah ta'ala, barakallahu fikum from list for listening. Jazakumullahu khayran. So we finished the 30th line of the kitab. Now, insha'Allah ta'ala, we're going to move on to the 31st line, bi'idhnillahi al-kareem. Naam. The author, rahimahullah, he says, Alaysa li hadha, is it not for this one? I mean, is it not... Uh, this creation, this fascinating creation that you're seeing right now, is there not for it an originator? I mean, this star, this moon, this, everything you're seeing. Is there not an originator who controls them? Is there not? Hakimun, he's all wise. Alimun, all knowing. Wahidun mutafarridun, he's one and he's unique. The answer to this question is, is known by necessity, of course. Of course, all of these things have an originator, one who made it, who brought it into existence. It is dimwittedness to say there isn't, and that something came from nothing, as the modern-day atheists suggest. All of this, Allah Taala, He is the one who controls it. That's what it means, mutasarrifun, a mudabbirullah. He's the one who controls it. Subhanahu wa Taala. There is nothing that moves. Without his command, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and without his permission, permission subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hakimun, he's all wise, subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Allah says in the Quran, We did not create the samawat. We did not create the samawat, and we did not create the ard. Did not create it batil. Allah then says, that is the assumption and the belief of those who believed. The disbelievers. So don't think to yourself a slight second that the samawat and the ard were created batilan. And Allah is saying, We did not create the samawat and we did not create the ard. And that which is between it, which is us and all the other creation. Allah did say, I did not create it batilan, without an aim, without a reason. I just created it. 
Then Allah says, This is the belief of the disbelievers. That's what the disbelievers believe. The non-Muslims, the kuffar, this is what they believe. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is alim to all of his creation. Allah created all of this. Of course he knows everything. He is aware of it. Allah is aware of it. Allah created all of this. He encompassed everything with knowledge. Allah is one and He's alone. He's unique. There is no other creator other than Him. Is there any other creator who provides from you from the sky? No. The answer is no. There isn't. The Sheikh says, Bala, indeed. I swear by the one. I swear by the one who truly perfected the creation. And he placed within these creation a subtle sign which for Allah they testify. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what Allah says to us in the Quran. If you look at these all of these things around us, they testify to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani they, they show, there are signs in them that show Allah, tabarak wa ta'ala. That's what Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, He said in the Quran, مَا تَرَى فِي خَلْقِ الرَّحْمَانِ مِنْ تَفَاوُتٍ فَرْجِعِ الْبَصَرَ هَلْ تَرَى مِنْ فُطُورٍ Allah says, subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're not going to find in the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deficiency, weakness, and uh, that is in its mistakes and um, that it's, it, it is incomplete. No. Look at it again. Give it a second look. Ah. All of the creations of Allah, all of it is what? It is done with precision. All of it has subtle signs that prove His existence, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah placed in it signs and secrets that are all showing his existence. وَلِذَلِكَ the poet, he said, فَوَعَجَبًا كَيْفَ يُعْصَ الْإِلَاهُ Fascination is how is Allah disobeyed? أَمْ كَيْفَ يَجْحَدُهُ الْجَاحِدُ And how can someone stubbornly reject Allah's existence, subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَلِلَّهِ فِي كُلِّ تَحْرِيكَةٍ In every movement, وَفِي كُلِّ تَسْكِينَةٍ and everything that is not moving and that is still, Abadan Shahidu, all of them testify to him. All of them point towards him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And every single thing there is a sign in it. That show Allah is one. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. That poet he said the truth. He said the truth. Naam. The author says, and in this earth are what? Ayatun are signs. Liman kana muqina for anyone who has certainty. But the signs are of no use. They are of no benefit. The signs are not of any use to one who remains in stubborn denial. And he's consistently denying the signs of Allah. Whichever sign comes, he doesn't accept it. That's why Allah said in the Quran, That there are signs in this earth for the one 
who has certainty, the one who is genuine, the one who has, he is in a state of stubborn denial, he won't find in the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, on this earth. He will not take lessons from it and it won't benefit him. It's only going to benefit the one who has certainty. That's what Allah said in another ayah. He says, Look at the samawat. Look at the earth. Then Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, he says, The signs are not going to benefit. They are not going to suffice. It's not going to benefit a people who don't believe. They don't ever want to believe. They are stubborn. Ah. That's what Allah says in another ayah. Even if there are signs that come to them. The ones who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has prepared for them. The ones that Allah writ for them subhanahu wa ta'ala to never believe, they're never going to believe. They're never going to believe. And even if it comes to them, every signs if it comes to them, they're not going to believe. If every sign comes to them, they're not going to believe. Until they see the severe punishment. So ponder here. Every sign can come to them. Every proof can come to them. Every hujjah can come to them. You can bring them everything. Until the hellfire is placed in front of them, they're not going to believe. What's actually really fascinating was, very fascinating, I was taken back, is I was watching a discussion that took place on Al Jazeera. It was between Mehdi Hassan and it was Richard Dawkins. The discussion was regarding, of course, atheism and the modern-day atheists and the way their worldview and issues related to that. So the discussion went back and forth regarding the two of them. And in there, Richard Dawkins says um, that if God was to, this is what he said, if he popped his head out of the sky, this is what he said, I still wouldn't believe it. And it's something across those lines is what he said. And he, even if he sees Allah, this man is not willing to believe in it. SubhanAllah, I was taken by that statement of his. I was taken back because I was shocked, gobsmacked, lost of words. That Allah is right, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Haq what Allah says. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ حَقَّتْ عَلَيْهِمْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ وَلَوْ جَاءَتْهُمْ كُلَّ آيَةٍ حَتَّى يَرَوُوا الْعَذَابَ الْأَلِيمِ They don't want to believe. وَلِذَلِكَ When you engage with these non-Muslims, these disbelievers, these criminals, when you want to have a discussion with them, it is very important that you ask them the first question. What does it take for you to believe? Are you ready to believe? What? Don't indulge in a discussion. If the person has no desire to believe whether the truth comes to them. There's no point talking to that person. Don't, uh, don't talk to them. And Allah says in another ayah, وَكَأَيِّمْ مِنْ آيَةٍ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ يَمُرُّونَ عَلَيْهَا وَهُمْ مُعْرِضُونَ يَمُرُّونَ عَلَيْهَا وَهُمْ عَنَا مُعْرِضُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَكَأَيِّمْ Every single verse that comes to them, every sign that comes to them regarding the samawat and the ard, يَمُرُّونَ عَلَيْهَا وَهُمْ عَنْهَا غَافِلُونَ أَمَّا وَهُمْ عَنْهَا مُعْرِضُونَ 
They are heedless of it. They don't want to believe in it. They are heedless of it. Whenever it comes to them, they just turn away. وَلِذَلِكَ عَبْدُ يَالِيلُ Where the people, when the Prophet ﷺ came to Ta'if, when the Prophet came to Ta'if, the people, the, the, the man Abdi Yalil, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said to him, he said to Muhammad, if you are a Prophet as you claim, you are higher than for me to have a dialogue and a discussion with you. You're greater than me, so why would I talk to you? And he said, if you are lying and you're not a Prophet, and if you are lying about saying I'm a prophet, then you are lower than me. I shouldn't even be talking to you. And then he walked away from the prophet. And he didn't say, I believe in you. And he didn't say, I don't believe in you. This is called kufrul irad. That this is a person who doesn't want to listen. He doesn't want to hear anything. Even if he knows you're a prophet, he's still not going to listen. It's a disbelief that Abu Jahl also proved. That Abu Jahl said, we... And Banu Hashim, Bani Makhzum, Bani Hashim. We also, we used to be like Kafara Sayyid Rihanin. We used to be like two horses. Sometimes they would win in the race, sometimes we would win in the race. Sometimes Banu Makhzum would be the upper hand, sometimes Bani Hashim would be the upper hand. And then look what he said after that. He said, Hatta ja'ana, until they came to us, Bani Hashim, and they said to us, Inna fina nabiyun. Here we have a prophet that came from amongst us. Abu Jal said, how can, how can we beat that now? So he said, Wallahi, I will never believe in them, whatever it takes. Yani, this is some people today. They'll go over those verses, they will go over all of that, but they are turning away from it. May Allah make us those who take in what is said, the good that is said, and follow it. The author, rahimahullah, he says, وَفِي النَّفْسِ And inside the person's nafs, and inside you as a person, there is what? وَفِي النَّفْسِ آيَاتٌ Inside the nafs, there is ayat. There are signs. Inside the person's nafs, inside the human, there are signs. وَفِيهَا عَجَائِبٌ And there are astonishing features within the human being. بِهَا يُعْرَفُ اللَّهُ الْعَظِيمُ وَيُعْبَدُ these things that are in the human, these astonishing features, are most magnificent. They are whose favors will never cease. And it's a way to realize who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you ponder and you think over these features that you have, they will lead you to believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Allah says in the Quran, وَفِي أَنفُسِكُمْ أَفَلَا تُبُصِّرُونَ there are signs within you. Do you not ponder? And subhanAllah, if you look at today, if your hand is chopped off, and then they give you a hand, and it doesn't ever become like the hand Allah gave you, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the way it works. It can never replace it. It can do a lot of good things, but it can never replace it. The hand Allah gave you is the unique thing. وَيُعْبَدُوا mm-hmm. And... This, when you look at yourself and you ponder, you realize that this 
forces you, it pushes you to, this thinking pushes you to what? To worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. It does. It makes you worship Him subhanahu wa ta'ala since He's the one who created all of this in you. And that's why Allah creating you is a reason why you need to worship Him alone. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ نعم. The author, rahimahullah, he says, لَقَدْ قَامَتِ الْآيَاتُ تَشْهَدُ أَنَّهُ All of the signs undoubtedly bear witness that he is إِلَاهٌ عَظِيمٌ فَضْلُهُ لَيْسَ يَنْفَذُ That all of these, and all of the signs, they bear witness that he undoubtedly is the most magnificent deity whose favor will never cease, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything. And when you look at it, you ponder over the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They all bear witness to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. He uh, is the most, merciful, most magnificent and he is the one whose virtues will never come to an end. That's why Allah said in the Quran, ma'indakum yanfad. That which is with you guys will finish. Wa ma'indallahi baq. And that which is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remain forever. All of the blessings of Allah ever since the day you, you came into this world. If you count the blessings of Allah, you will never be able to. All of them are from Him. They never end. The blessings of Allah never end. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam. The author, rahimahullah, he says here, فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْ غَرْسِ الْإِلَهِ أَجَابَهُ Those, those people is, um, who are amongst the ones Allah planted, subhanahu wa ta'ala, مِنْ غَرْسِ الْإِلَهِ Those who Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, they're from the غرس of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where did, this author, where did the author get that there are people uh, in this earth Allah wa ta'ala planted in this earth where did the author get that from he got it from the hadith and Imam Ahmed and Ibn Majah narrated min hadithi Abi Inbata al-Khawlaniyu he said I heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he plants in this religion a group of people غَرْسًا يَسْتَعْمِلُهُمْ فِي طَاعَتِهِ And Allah uses those people in His obedience. There are a people that Allah plants them in the religion. And He utilizes them, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in His obedience. The word لا يزالوا, what does it benefit us? It shows us al-istimrar, consistently. When these people die, another people come. This die, another people come. This die, and then a group of people come. There are a people like that. And it's the same as, it's a similar to the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu where he said, لا تزال طائفة من أمتي على الحق منصورة That there is always going to be a group in my ummah who are victorious upon the truth. Ah. Who are these people Allah planted, subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the author is talking about, that he took from the hadith of the Prophet? Who are they? Ibn al-Qayyim is going to explain to us, rahimahullah, in his kitab, As-Sawa'iq al-Mursala. He says, وَغَرْصُ اللَّهِ هُمْ أَهْلُ الْعِلْمِ وَالْعَمَلِ 
They are the people who have knowledge, they possess knowledge, and they also have righteous deeds. Amal. That's the people they are. They are a people who combine between beneficial knowledge and righteous action. That's the people they are. What do these people do that Allah planted in this religion? What do they do in this earth? How does Allah utilize them in His obedience? Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, the way Allah utilizes them is whenever the sunnah is about to wear out in the community or in the people, the people start turning away from the sunnah. The people start leaving the religion. They come and they revive it. When the innovation becomes apparent and the people start doing acts of, acts of uh, uh, innovation, they come and they destroy it. They debunk it. They speak against it. That's what these people do on this earth. They give victory to the religion of Allah. They guide the people and they bestow upon the people um, uh, their knowledge and the people follow them in their righteous deeds. The author then says, وَلَيْسَ لِمَنْ وَأَدْبَرَ مُسْعِدُ And the person who turns away is not going to be a person who's going to be happy. The person who turns away from these proofs I've mentioned, the author is saying, you turn away from the universal signs, you turn away from the legislative signs, and you don't take the Quran or the Sunnah, and you don't take the universal signs, you're not going to live a good life. That's why Allah said in the ayah, فَمَنْ تَبِعَ هُدَايَ فَلَا يَظِلُّ وَلَا يَشْقَى وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْ ذِكْرِي فَإِنَّ لَوْمَ عِيشَةً ضَنْكَ وَنَحْشُرُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَعْمَى قَالَ رَبِّ لِمَ حَشَرْتَنِي أَعْمَى وَقَدْ كُنْتُ بَصِيرًا قَالَ كَذَلِكَ أَتَتْكَ آيَاتُنَا فَنَسِيتَهَا وَكَذَلِكَ الْيَوْمَ تُنْزَى You're going to be punished in the grave. You're going to come out the day of judgment. Blind, dumb and deaf. You're going to be living in this world pain and agony. You're going to live a very hard life. But if you face these verses and you implement it, you learn it, you live by it. You're going to live a very good life. The author, Rahimahullah, he says, Upon you is um, the taqwa of Allah, Tabarak wa Ta'ala. Upon you is taqwa of Allah wa ta'ala. Diligently observe taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How? Bifi'li amrihi. Now the question here is, how can I diligently observe taqwa? By doing what? Bifi'li amrihi. By doing Allah wa ta'ala's commands. Carrying out his commands. And also refrain from all of the forbidden things, remaining distant from them, stay away from them. Taqwa is what? It is doing what Allah told you to do, and what He commanded you to do, and it is also to refrain from what He prohibited you from. Not only refrain from it, brothers and sisters, but also to be distanced from them. And stay as far as you can from it. The author, rahimahullah, here, he took a very powerful definition for a taqwa. That taqwa, it is to act in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is also to stay away from the sins. And that 
He took it from the great Imam Talq ibn Habib. Talq ibn Habib gave the most comprehensive definition of a taqwa. He said, when he was asked about taqwa, he said, taqwa means an It is to act in accordance to the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ala nuri min Allah. But you're doing it based on a light from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani based on revelation. Raja'a And you're doing it hoping reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also taqwa is tarku ma'asillah. Staying away from the disobedience of Allah. Ala nurin min Allah. But in a what? Revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you're doing it in what? with what intention? You are scared, you're frightened of the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dalq ibn Habib's definition of a taqwa combines between um, al-raja wal-khawf, hope and fear. Al-targhibu wal-targhib, to be scared and to be hopeful. That's what taqwa is. Taqwa is that you are scared and you are in a state of hope. You are also coming with, um, you're not just scared and sitting backwards, but you have hope that pushes you to working hard and staying away from the sins. And your fear is making you stay away from that which is bad. Now, The author says, Be sincere with Allah and be aware of riya showing off. Be aware from, of it. And emulate the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in kunta ta'abudu if you are a person who wants to perform acts of worship then emulate the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and do it with sincerity yani these are the two pillars of any action that's going to be accepted it is to do it with sincerity and it is to do it in accordance to the sunnah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the quran ala lillahi dinul khalis that the religion is based on sincerity wama umiru illa liya'budullaha the religion is based upon what? It is based upon sincerity. That you do it for Allah's sake. That you do it for Allah's sake. That you, and you have no one else in your heart other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you also do it in accordance to the sunnah. The way that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did it. Man amila amalan, man amila amalan laysa alayhi amruna fawarad. Anyone who does an action that is not from the actions that the Prophet did, then it's rejected and it's not going to be accepted from them. وَلِذَلِكَ the author, rahimahullah, he combined in this line of poetry, بَيْنَ شَرْطَيْ قَبُولِ amal, The two conditions in which a act will be accepted. الإخلاص للمعبود Doing an act only for him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the second one which is وَالْمُتَابَعَةِ لِلرَّسُولِ and emulating the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Any act that is not done with sincerity, and it is not done in accordance to the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then its presence is like its absence. It's like you never did it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not look at it. He will not give it any consideration. Qal ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah. Ibn al-Qayyim, he said in his great book, Al-Wabil al-Sayyib. He says, Laysa al-Sha'nu fil amal إِنَّمَا الشَّأْنُ فِي حِفْظِ الْعَمَلِ مِمَّا يُفْسِدُهُ وَيُحْبِطُهُ 
فالرياء وإن دق محبط للعمل وهو أبواب كثيرة لا تحصل وكون العمل غير مقيد باتباع السنة أيضا موجب لكونه باطلا ابن القيم said the issue isn't how many acts of worship you've done no how many people are all based upon wallahi praise Allah wallahi fasts Allah wallahi does this much ya ikhwatil kiram the act is not looked at the uh, quantity necessarily okay the quantity is only beneficial if it's done with sincerity and in accordance to the sunnah but if a person keeps doing the action so many times and he keeps doing so much acts of obedience but there's no sincerity in it or it's not in accordance to the sunnah then this act is null and void that's what Ibn al-Qayyim is saying لَيْسَ الشَّأْنُ فِي الْعَمَلِ the matter is not the action but the matter is that you protect the action from the things that can corrupt it the things that can destroy it like riya showing off even if it's minute and it's very small it can still corrupt your, your action. And also, restricting your action to the sunnah of the Prophet also protects it from corruption and destruction. Naam. The author, rahimahullah, here he says in the 39th line, Play your rel- place your reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tawakkal ala rahmani Place your reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do it. Ah. Do it genuinely. And trust in him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do it. That he suffices you all your needs. And in order that you be guided. All of your needs that you want to be done for you. What you have to understand is you have to rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You want all of your acts of good, anything that you want to do, you want Allah wa ta'ala to make it happen, rely on Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not rely on yourself a split second. And don't ever think to yourself that all of that which is happening for you is because of your hard work and your effort and your striving and your No, it is not that. It is because Allah wanted it to happen. Rely on Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلِذَلِكَ from the dua al-ma'thura The du'as that were transmitted from the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam That Imam Abi Dawood narrated in his sunan وَحَسَّنَهُ الْأَلْبَانِيُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ And Imam Nasir al-Sunnah Muhammad Muhammad Nasir al-Din al-Albani said that it's sahih or it's hasan it's a sound hadith that the Prophet sallallahu the du'as that he used to make is Allahumma rahmataka arju Oh Allah, I hope for your mercy فَلَا تَكِلْنِي إِلَى نَفْسِي طَرْفَةَ عَيْنٍ Oh Allah, oh Allah Do not let my affairs be in my own hand for a split second Don't place my affairs in my hands for a split second And don't make me run my own affairs for a split second I can't even do it for myself وَأَصْلِحْ لِي شَأْنِي كُلَّهِ And oh Allah, perfect all my affairs. لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنْتِ There is none worthy of worship except you, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We, brothers and sisters, we need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every minute and every second. We need His help. We need His support. We can't do anything by ourselves. 
When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the battle of Badr, He sent the angels down to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the companions. And the angels were descending and the angels were helping them in the battle of Badr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He informed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and He informed the companions. He said, وَمَا جَعَلَهُ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بُشْرَى لَكُمْ وَلِتَطْمَئِ إِنَّ بِهِ قُلُوبُكُ وَمَنْ نَصْرُوا إِلَّا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ Allah Ta'ala said to the Prophet that these angels that are coming down, that are descending onto you, that you're seeing in the battlefield, they are helping you, they're supporting you. Remember that the victory is not in the hands of these angels. They are not the ones who can give you victory. وَمَنْ نَصْرُوا إِلَّا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ Victory is only from Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. It is Allah who can make it happen. And that's very important. That we can only come with the means. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who makes things happen. The author here mentions in that line, when he says, He's mentioning the benefits and the fruits that come out of relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is the fruits that you get from relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What is the good ending that you get from it? It is that Allah will suffice you. And He will make it easy for you. وَيُغْنِيكَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will suffice you subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't have to stress anymore. He will take over this issue for you. Once you rely on Him, don't worry. Allah does not forsake the righteous person. Ah. It's in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the benefits that it comes. And also from the benefits that it has is, وَتَرْشُدُوا You will receive from it guidance. By relying on Allah, after you exerted the efforts, is a path of guidance. It is a what? It is a path of guidance. So two things you get from relying on Allah. Number one, you're stress-free. It's in the hands of the Almighty the most merciful, the wise, the most knowledgeable, the all-knower, it's in his hands. You don't need to stress. When the human being says to you today, I will take over this issue, give it to me, you're so happy because it's, it's a burden that's uplifted from you. What about if Allah is the one who takes over it? And also the second benefit that it has is that Yawm Al-Qiyamati, you will be raised with the guided people. You're from the guided people. Naam. The author, rahimahullah, he urges, he urges the person to come with patience. And he tells us to come with patience in the 40th line. He says, pres preserve. What do you preserve? And look after. And also, persevere. In what? In obedience, uh, sorry, in patience. In patience. Tasabbar. Be a person who comes with patience. In what? Anil isyani from the sins. Have resilience. Have self control from sins. Wasbirli hukmihi. And the second type of patience, the first type of patience, the authors mentioned it here for you. He said, Tasabbar anil isyani. Be patient, persevere. From what? 
and in avoiding sins. Number one. Number two. Wasbir lihukmihi. Endure his decree, Subhanahu wa Taala. What Allah decreed for you, tolerate it, and endure it. The third one is wasabir ala taati alakatasuradu, and also be patient and constant in acts of obedience, and you will attain true happiness, and you will attain. True happiness. Three, patience, three types of patience. The first one is patience from disobedience. And it's to hold yourself away from the disobedience. The second one is the things Allah Taala decreed from you. And it's losing a child, losing a loved one. You're going to lose your children. You're going to lose loved ones. Your wealth is going to reduce. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your business. You're going to go through marital problems. You're going to have problems with your children. You're having problems at work with your co-workers. And etc. Be patient. Endurance. Allah is going to afflict you with that. Allah says after that, Give glad tidings to those who are patient. The sign of the person who is patient, what does he do? They are the ones that when they are afflicted with a calamity and hardship, this is what they say. From Allah we have come, and to Him we return. Their mouth, their body, their mind, their heart is all under control. Self-control. Disciplined. The first thing that comes is not an insult. It's not, oh Allah, why me? They don't say that. They say, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. It is Allah who owns us. It is from Allah we have come. And it is to Allah we are going to return. The words that come out of their mouth are obedience. Everything about them is just discipline, self-control. Their reactions, their actions, their reaction. And everything is all under control. Oh Allah, make us from those people. Also to be patient upon obedience. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, who worship him? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's also to be patient upon it. Allah commands us subhanahu wa ta'ala to be patient. And when we show patience, we are going to be successful. Success is connected to patience, brothers and sisters. When you come with that, you will, you will definitely um, find happiness and success. And also to be patient from sins. I need to stay away from sins and avoid sins. It is also something that must be uh, done. The sins are two types. Shahawat and shubuhat. Doubts and desires. Stay away from both. Avoid them. Naam. 
The author, rahimahullah, he says in the 41st line, وَكُنْ سَائِرًا بَيْنَ الْمَخَافَةِ وَالرَّجَعَ هُمَا كَجَنَاحَيْ طَائِرٍ حِينَ يَتَقْصِدُ وَكُنْ Be a person. Be a person who's what? Be an individual who traverses between fear and hope. Be someone who, who strives to Allah, who tra- traverses to Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, between fear and hope. Ah. Hope and fear, they are like the two wings of a bird. A bird flies with two wings when it flies. A bird cannot fly with one wing. It needs its both wings. And you are the same. You are flying. You are traversing to Allah. You are trying to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the day of judgment. What do you need? You need both of these wings. Fear and hope together. Come with those two. That is the way forward. To have hope. To also have fear. There are three things that the heart must have. Three things that the heart must have. The first one is, it has to have love. It has to be love in your heart towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the second one is fear. And the third one is hope. Those three is a must for every Muslim, for every person. You need to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You need to hope from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you must be scared of him subhanahu wa ta'ala. All three of them are mentioned in Surah Al-Fatiha. Before the person says, na'budu, Oh Allah, you we worship. These three are mentioned. Where is it? Allah says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillahi. Praises to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rabbil Alameen. That is Raja. Hope. Alhamdulillah. Praises to you, O oh Allah. Ah. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. This is what? Um, sorry, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen is love. You're praising someone you love. When you praise someone, you love them. You're saying Alhamdulillah praises to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Lord of the universe. This is love, Al-Mahabba. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim The most merciful, the most gracious This is hope You're hoping for his mercy You're, hope, you're hoping for his graciousness Maliki Yawmiddin The Lord of the Day of Judgment Fear, scared of the Day of Judgment And what can happen to you Maliki Yawmiddin Iyaka na'abudu wa iyaka nasta'in Oh Allah, you alone we worship. We worship you in what? Hope, fear and love. Or in the order that the surah mentioned it. Love, hope and fear, we worship you in, oh Allah, alone. So those three are very important to have with you. And they are the three that move the heart. They are called muharrikatul qulub. They're the things that make the qalb move. And they move your qalb to do things. Hope, it's a mechanism that helps you go forward in doing something. And hope is also the same. And fear is also the same. They all have to be in the person's heart. And the allies of Allah, 
are ones who do that, they come with it. The author, rahimahullah, here he says, وَقَلْبَكَ your heart. The author, rahimahullah, he says, وَقَلْبَكَ your heart. The author, rahimahullah, he says, وَقَلْبَكَ tahirhu. Your heart, purify it. Purify your heart. Cleansing it from every type of blemish. Every type of um, afa, every type of illnesses. وَكُنْ أَبَدًا عَنْ عَيْبِهِ تَتَفَقَّدُ And always be a person, always be a person who is looking for the faults that are pre- present in his heart. And don't be a person who says, Alhamdulillah, Allah guided me, I'm a Muslim, I'm upon the Siratul Mustaqim, I'm from the safe sect, وَمَا إِلَى ذَلِكَ Always look for the illnesses of your heart. And if you do not purify your heart, wallah, you're going to suffer from, you're going to suffer from it in this world. Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, مَن لَمْ يُطَهِّرِ اللَّهُ قَلْبَهُ Anyone who Allah does not cleanse his heart for him, فَلَمُدَّ أَنْ يَنَالَهُ الْخِزْيُ فِي الدُّنْيَا You're going to suffer in this world. You are going to th- go through a lot of criticism and a lot of problems. وَالْعَذَابُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ And also the punishment of Allah awaits you the day of judgment. بِحَسَبِ نَجَاسَةِ قَلْبِهِ وَخُبْثِهِ And it is always in accordance to the filthiness, the filthiness and the dirt that is in your heart. So always look for the faults that are present in your heart. If you don't, you see yourself falling short at times when you're, when you're weak. يعني, it's called كَمَائِنَ نَفْسِكَ اللَّاتِ مَتَى خَرَجَتْ كُسِرْتَ كَسْرَ مُهَانٍ There are times when your قل, if, you, if you're not working on cleaning your قلب and cleansing it, it does evil things at times when you are shocked with, with, with yourself. يعني you, you become shocked with yourself. What just happened? How did I say this? How did I do this? Because you were not looking for the mistakes of your qalb at the normal days. The person who's working on his heart all the time, cleansing his heart, sifting his heart, when the fitna throws itself, sometimes he can hold himself. And that's why Nabiullah uh, Yusuf alayhi salam, when the th- fitna threw itself at him, what did he do? He was able to turn away from it. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the ayah, إِنَّهُ مِنْ عِبَادِنَا الْمُخْلَصِينَ He was from our sincere slaves. And he was from our sincere slaves. And his heart was very clean. Naam. وَجَمِّلْ بِنُصْحِ الْخَلْقِ قَلْبَكَ إِنَّهُ لَعَلَى جَمَالِ لِلْقُلُوبِ وَأَجْوَدُ The author, rahimahullah, here he says, beautify your heart by making it sincere towards others. And be a sincere person to the people when you are advising them. Ha. When you are admonishing someone, when you are telling someone off, be sincere in doing it. Because this is the finest, most superb, Adornment for all hearts. When you are advising the people, ad-deen al-nasiha, the religion is based upon advice. 
The Prophet then was asked, "Qulna niman qala lillahi wa li kitabi wa li rasuli wa li aymati muslimin wa aamatim." Be a sincere advisor. Be a sincere advisor. Don't be a person who, when he advises, he has a hidden agenda. He does it for uh, something that he's hiding in his heart. It will always show in your advice. The author, rahimahullah, he says, وَصَاحِبْ befriend. Befriend. إِذَا صَاحَبْتَ كُلَّ مُوَفَّقٍ Befriend and be in the company of every guided individual. Everyone who is guided, everyone who is noble, make sure you're with them. يَقُودُكَ لِلْخَيْرَاتِ نُصْحًا وَيُرْشِدُ Because these people, what are they going to do? They will lead you to all things which are good. And they will direct you towards that place. And that goes in line with the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ where he said, That the person is of the religion of his friend. So look at who you take as a friend. Look at who you take as a friend. And also the hadith of Abu Musa al-Ash'ari. The good company is like a blacksmith and a perfume owner. The perfume owner, in his presence, you're going to have a nice smell. He's going to give you a perfume. Or he's going to probably rub a perfume on you. And the blacksmith is probably going to burn your clothes and the atmosphere that you're in is not good for your lungs. He's going to make your clothes smell bad. His presence is no good, to be honest. The bad friend is like that. He's going to rub off bad traits onto you. You're going to be affected by him. And he's going to make you an evil person. Whereas a good friend, he's like the perfume owner. You're going to take good traits from him, good things from him, advices. He's going to give you a book. He's going to tell you a halaqa, a lesson. He's going to break down some beneficial things for you. You'll always benefit from that person. So make sure you're always in the company of good people. One of the most powerful statements I heard when it came to friendship is that which, that which is mentioned in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions in the Quran, Ashabul Kahf. Allah mentions Ashabul Kahf. And Allah Ta'ala, when He mentions Ashabul Kafi, He mentions the dog with them. That their dog is with them. The scholars, they commented on this that when Allah mentioned Ashabul Kafi and He spoke about them, why did Allah mention the dog? The reason why the dog was mentioned is because the dog was in the company of righteous people. He's a, he was in the company of righteous people. Even though he's a dog and he's an animal that when he touches you, you have to cleanse yourself from it and etc. But this dog was mentioned because he was with good people. And so when you are with good people, you're always, you're always going to gain something. You're always going to gain something. You all know the famous hadith that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned. That there's a, a halaqa going on. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he forgives the people of the halaqa. The people who are sitting in that gathering. They're forgiven for their sins and their shortcomings. And then the angels, they say, Ya Rabbi, my Lord. In that halaqa, there was so-and-so who was just going by. He's not from the people of the halaqa. He was just walking by. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to the angels, for this, uh, these people that he was with, that he sat with, this person, sat with these people, he's never going to lose out by sitting with them. لا يشقي جليسون. 
the person who sits with these people is never going to lose out. And he, so he's also forgiven as well. Pay attention. This is the beauty of being with good people. We're going we're gonna to mention the last line, 45, the author says, the author, rahimahullah, he says, وَإِيَّاكَ Be aware of, stay away from, stay away from, and be aware of any person by whose companionship you would suffer great loss by being in their uh, companionship, without a doubt. Stay away from a bad friend. And today, wallahi, many people today are suffering because of a bad friend who threw them into this path. He threw them into this path. Stay away from evil people, wallahi. Be friends with good people. If Allah commanded Nabi Muhammad to be in the company of righteous people, then who are you? Why shouldn't you be in the company of righteous people? Allah said to the Prophet, وَاصْبِرْ نَفْسَكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِي يُرِيدُونَ وَجْهَةِ وَلَا تَعْدُ عَيْنَاكَ عَنْهُمْ تُرِيدُ زِينَةَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَلَا تُطِعْ مَنْ أَغْفَلْنَا قَلْبَهُ عَنْ ذِكْرِنَا وَاتَّبَعَ هَوَاهُ وَكَانَ أَمْرُهُ فُرُطًا Muhammad be in the company of righteous people those who are remembering Allah day and night so brothers and sisters be with the righteous people be in the companion uh, be in the company sorry of righteous people and stay close to them you'll always benefit and beware of evil people they will affect you they will affect your religion they will affect your family they will affect your children stay away from them stay away from them the way that you stay away from someone who has leprosy or contagious illness the way you walk away from them the way you avoid them what's very shocking subhanallah was it's very shocking and i'm going to conclude with this is that a group of people were saying that wallahi how could i just say to that person i don't want to sit with you wallahi i don't know how to say to them that i don't want to be with them but he's, he has bad effect on you i know but what can i do covid-19 happened and the person was like oh yeah i, I told him not to come to me I told them to stay away from me. I don't want them to give me any uh, illness. Yani, when something is affecting your religion, you're like, oh, what do I do? How do I boycott them? How do I stay away from them? But then when the COVID-19 comes, and it's not going to affect your religion, it's only going to affect your health. And if you die, you're not the first to die. You're like, no, I had to avoid them. I couldn't be in their surroundings because I wanted to uh, quarantine. Then why didn't you quarantine for your religion? And protect your religion. I hope that, inshallah ta'ala, makes many of you understand the importance of being in the presence of righteous people, noble people, people who benefit you in your deen and in your dunya. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me and shaitan and Allah and his messenger are free from it. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayhi.